Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us here for another time of family worship. And could I just say to us, as, to you as a team, well done. We've made it through. Actually, this is week number seven of our family worship time. Can you believe that? And the good news today is that possibly, and Lord willing, we will be providing a, a, a different worship venue next Sunday as we'll be hopefully meeting together be a drive-in here on our campus. And we will be providing a video venue as we've received some, some great feedback that this has been a really helpful uh, way of worship for many of us. And some of you we know may still want to continue this. So we'll provide a video venue similar to this, but Lord willing, we will gather here and we'll be able to worship together to, uh, to uh, wave to one another, to see one another, to honk together as we gather here on our our campus. But you know, as we prepare to reopen our country and really to re-enter life on the other side of this quarantine, there's been an impression that that I've felt again and again. And I've heard other people express this impression as well several times. Tam has mentioned this in our home, and I've, I've heard maybe you've experienced this as well. But it's this impression. Don't miss the gift. Don't miss the gift. And you know, this season of life that the Lord has been leading us through is a, an unprecedented time in our history. And it's a season that, that feels like a desert in, in many ways. Or as one author said, it's a, one of those, the land of in-between moments of our lives. It's a wilderness time. It's a time that we did not see coming. We... we Wish we weren't here, but here we are, and we're hoping and praying that we'll get through it as soon as we can. And yet, as children of God and on our faith journey, the paradox of the land of in-between or the wilderness seasons of life is that it's often in these desert seasons that God gives us His most precious gifts. And one of the the gifts that, that I believe he desires to give us, we will discover today as we, we look into Psalm 63. But the danger for us is that we're so anxious to get through the season of, of, uh, of trial and, and the season of, of stress and, and just all that comes with the desert season, a wilderness season of life, that we miss the gift. We hurry by the gift that God desires to give us. And so today we're going to turn to this song of hope, Psalm 63, that was actually written in a desert season, in a wilderness season by David. And it's a powerful song, a powerful word from God that that enables us to pick up the gift that he desires to give us in the desert seasons of life and then to pack it with us as we follow him into the, to where he is leading us. Psalm 63 was written, as I mentioned, by David in a time that he was in a literal wilderness. He was being chased through the the wilderness of Judea. Scholars are divided as to when this actually happened in his life. Some think it was at the start of his life, that 15-year period that he was running from King Saul. Others think it was at the end of his life when his son Absalom was revolting 
What we do know for sure is that he's in a wilderness season, a time, it's that land of in-between. It fills a season that's just not comfortable. It's a, a time that's hard for him, and it's in this time that he leads us. God inspires him to write a song that enables us to pick up a gift and carry it with us as we follow the Lord. The gift comes in three parts. Part one is found there in verse one, and, and it could be entitled, A Thirst for God. Join me there. Psalm 63, verse one reads, You, God, are my God. I love the way he starts this. It's a bold declaration of those who know God and love him. I, I keep thinking about our mission as a church family, which we're here to help one another become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this is really the cry of a fully devoted follower. God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Here we feel his one thing, passion. Some translations have the word early, I seek you. It's that idea of, Lord, you're the first thing on my mind um, when I wake up and you're what I want most. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here David is in this dry and weary land. He's in a desert. It's in a, a place that's hot and it's barren and the sun just scorching down. No one in their right mind goes to this place. This is not a place you go to to hang out. It's a place you're stuck in and a place you want to get through. And it's a place that makes you thirsty, dry and weary. But his physical thirst triggers a deeper, uh, reminds him of a deeper thirst and leads him to a deeper thirst, which is the thirst of his soul. What's he want right now more than water? It's to be close to his God. It's, it's him. That's his one thing. You know, as I read these verses, I, I find it significant that all that he doesn't ask for, he's not asking for water or physical needs. He's not asking even to be delivered from the enemies that have put him in this position. He's not asking for vengeance. He's not thirsting for vengeance over his enemies. He's not even thirsting for, you know, the pleasures of a palace that God had promised him or the power of a king. His thirst is singular, and it's, it's God. Thirst. It's powerful, isn't it? As you think about thirst, what is it? It's that insatiable longing for what we must have to live. Thirst is, is powerful too. It, it takes our attention hostage. When, when we're thirsty, it's all we can think about. And then it moves us into action. It drives us towards what we need. We won't let up. We will go where we need to go to get what we were thirsty to get. Thirst is a powerful gift. Could it be the great gift of the dry and weary land, the desert season, and even this quarantine season that we're in right now is thirst and a thirst for God. Could it be the gift of this season is a renewed thirst for the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart? Could it be that, that it's a renewed thirst to live for his glory and not the fading glory of, of self or chasing the things that don't satisfy? Could it be a, it's a renewed thirst to live in a way that pleases him and to follow Jesus into a life of sacrificial love that really plays out in the most ordinary ways, loving the people closest to us, our family, being kind and patient 
with the people who matter most. Could it be the gift of this desert time is a gift of thirst for the living God? I know I'm feeling it in my soul. As the Lord has been stripping things away over the past seven weeks, you just feel one thing pulled away and one thing taken away. And, and thing after thing, it feels like life is, is like a chessboard. And we had all these pieces set up on the chessboard. And God has just toppled the chessboard. And all the pieces have fallen except for one. And that is the King of Kings stands. You, God, are my God. And all these other pieces of life that we tend to chase and the lesser gods, the things that we think will satisfy like approval of people and stuff and status and power and all these other things, we see them toppling and time, piece after piece, we're reminded that that can't satisfy, but there is one who matters most. And I don't know if you're feeling this, but, but I felt it in my heart. Lord, I, I, it's a renewed realization that he alone is God and he alone is the one that I want he alone is the one that I'm thirsting for and I'm longing for him thirst you God are my God earnestly I seek you I thirst for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water what a gift God has given us but this leads us to part two of the the gift of the desert which is a soul-satisfying feast. And this is the feast of worship. Our thirst leads us into the presence of God. In verses 2 to 5, here we see David say, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. The sanctuary of God's created universe and just the power that we see in that, but also the sanctuary of God's redeemed people who are being transformed by the word of God as they put their hope in his word and in his his promise, and they are being recreated to reflect his glory. He's saying, I've seen you in your sanctuary, beheld your power and your glory, but where else is the glory of God seen? Remember Moses said in Exodus 34, Lord, I want to see your glory. And God said, okay, here it comes. And he, he showed it to him, and it was his compassion, his, uh, his mercy, the fact that he is abounding in love and faithfulness, the fact that he forgives people who don't deserve to be forgiven and holds accountable those who don't come to him in, in for, to him in, for, in a repentance. All that summed up in one word in verse 3, and it's his hesed love, his loyal love, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life. Instinctively, we know that life is valuable. We, we hang on to life. Right now, we're in quarantine because of this. We want to preserve our life and the life of those around us. David's on the run through the wilderness trying to save his life. But there's something, David says, that's better than life. It's the love of God. And he says, because of this, this love of God that is immeasurable, that's seeking my good every moment of my existence, my lips will glorify you. And with this life of mine, verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Lifting up our hands is that picture of worship that's just spontaneous as we're in God's presence, and we see his greatness, we adore him, we realize all that you've given me is from, um, all that I enjoy is from you, and, and we thank him for what he's given us, and then that picture of just stretching out our, our arms and saying, God, here's my life. 
All that I am is yours. And David is praising God in these moments. And then he says in verse 5, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Don't you love this? Right here in the middle of this barren, dry and weary desert. He says, my soul is fully satisfied. (laughs) And and how's it satisfied? It's at the feast of worship. Even in the, the driest of places, the hardest of times, God is there. And as we praise him, he fills up our soul with the joy and the hope and the peace that only he can give us. One day last summer, we left Mammoth, California to to drive seven hours to Las Vegas. After it was the last leg of our uh, wonderful family trip, we were going to fly out back to Danville, Indiana from Las Vegas. We had 160 miles worth of gas left in our tank when we left Mammoth. And as I drove by the gas stations, I was planning to fill up there in Mammoth, but I thought, no, gas was 450 there in that little mountain town, I can do better. I was thinking like a Midwesterner, you know, there'll be a gas station every 10 miles and there's no way I'm going to pay 450 for this gas. Well, (laughs) a hundred miles later in two mountain ranges and a bit of a desert, it was just a dry and weary land. We had not passed one gas station and I'm starting to get nervous. Uh, My phone, uh, having a hard time connecting, um, Cell coverage going in and out. I'm checking Yelp for gas stations. We have 60 miles left in the tank, and there's, I'm not seeing one gas station on my phone. Now, we come to a T in the road, and I'm really nervous now because if we go right towards Vegas, towards our destination, there's no towns that, that I'm seeing on the map. If we go left, it's away from our destination, but 15 miles up the road, there was this little dot of a town, podunk town, no guarantee of a gas station. Now, what do we do? So I pulled over, family conference. Over the, It was in sixth grade that we realized, Tam and I realized, our son Chad had been gifted with logic. We would throw a decision, out, a bunch of data out to him. He could spit out a really um, wise decision once he Uh, downloaded that data like that and so big family decision since that time we will run it by Chad so I pulled over and I said hey Chad I've got a predicament for you (laughs) and I downloaded all the data that I had been thinking through and for Tam and Jess as well you guys be thinking on this and said what do you think and he he processed it and said I'd go left so we all agreed as a family let's go left and so we turned left 15 miles. It was the longest 15 miles. And I was praying the whole time, heart beating as we got closer. The, uh, I was thinking through, what if there's not a gas station? And I'm going through plan B, B and C and D, none of which had a happy ending. And can I tell you the joy as we neared that little town? So I looked out on the horizon and I saw not one gas pump, but two gas pumps and a little station. It was a worship moment. I, uh, <laughs> I still remember walking in and almost giving that lady across the counter a hug for us. And you have no idea what you mean to us. In fact, that was the one uh, place we took, actually took a picture. And, and we'll put it up on the screen here. And this picture is a funny one. There on the door. When you're at the only gas station within 100 miles, you don't have to worry about customer service. And so this, they put a sign up, no stupid people allowed on their front door. And it remind, reminded me of my grace and that I was allowed in there even though I did was stupid enough to leave, uh, leave Mammoth with only 160 miles in the tank. But you know, as I think about that picture and just driving up on that town, 
And just seeing this oasis in the desert, it's what I see as I see this text and just the feast of worship that God gives us in the, in the desert moments of life, his presence. I just love the picture here of David, possibly in a cave, just reflecting again, God, I have seen you in your sanctuary, your power and your glory the power of God and in those desert seasons of life, the, the time that we're in even now, we're reminded of our frailty, that we can't keep ourselves alive, but he is the one who sustains us. And then his, we remember his love and just his covenant love, his faithful love, his love where he is committed based on who he is, that he will pursue our good every moment of our existence. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and we worship him. And in those moments, we receive the soul-satisfying feast right there in the middle of the wilderness. God is faithful. The third part of this gift we see is that the David sings on with a soul satisfied. We do come back to the reality that, that there's a real threat out there. And we think, okay, what about the threat? What about these soldiers who are still out in the night chasing David down? What about our very real threat of this virus threatening our health and the economy and all that goes with that. Part three of the gift is a really neat part of this, uh, this song. It's a security check that we learn to run, and then we can continue the security check as we go out into to life in the future. And there's three parts to it, but we see it there in verses six to eight. As David writes, on my bed, I think of you, I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. When does fear threaten us often? It's at night, you know, it's on our bed when we wake up and we're freaking out about whatever it is. He says, on my bed, I remember you and I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. So picture David, he's sleeping, and through the watches of the night, we know that's that, that idea of some of his soldiers would be staying up, watching. But I'm guessing nearly every time they changed watch, one guy got up, another guy um, went to bed, there's that noise, and David, who's probably sleeping lightly, is waking up, thinking what we think as well, is everything okay? As he hears, you know, bodies rattling, he's waking up thinking, is everything Okay. How many times over the past seven weeks have you had that thought? Is everything okay? You know, maybe it was in the middle of the night or maybe just throughout the day or you hear news and you get just all the, the gloom and doom and we think, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? And here for the child of God is the security check. Whenever you wonder that question, what do you do? Psalm 63, remember him. I remember you in the watches. I think of you in the watches of the night. And what do we remember about in verse 7? He is our help. So we remember, and then what do we do? We sing in the shadow of his wings. Remember, and then sing. The picture of his, is of a bird in the shadow of a, in the wings of its parent, the protective care of a parent. And don't you love it that, that the bird is singing? It's not shivering. It's not a, you know, shaking. It's not hiding. It's singing. We can sing in the shadow of God's protective care. So we remember him, we sing, and then the third part of the security check is we cling. We cling to him. Now, I love it, the picture, David says, I'm clinging to you. <laughs> picture a little kid just hanging on. But your right hand is upholding me, I know that. 
God's got us, but I'm going to cling to you and trust. Do you remember when you're, you uh, hop into a roller coaster and that harness comes over you and then you snug it in and then you, it clicks? And then the security check guy comes along and he, he check, 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 check all the way down the line just to make sure the harness is tight. Okay, it's safe. You go. I'm guessing that we probably don't have to hold on to the harness when we go through the loop-de-loop. I'm thinking we can, we'll be all right, but I'm not going to test it out. I'm hanging on to that harness <laughs> for everything I've got. I may be screaming or, or I'm not singing, but I'm hanging on. But the harness is going to carry me, right? It's going to hold me. And that's the picture here. God's got us with his powerful right hand. But David says, I'm hanging on with all I've got. And so the security check, what a gift to run. We remember him, we sing in his presence, and we cling to him and trust but I do have a question. What about the bad guys? What, what, what happened? What about the soldiers who are still out in the night? What about the threat of this virus? And it's real. And what about all that? And I love the way this song ends. And it's as if God through David says, what about the threat? Footnotes, man, footnotes. Those soldiers out there, they're fox food. They're footnotes in the story. They're not threats. They're footnotes. Check it out. Verses 9 2.11, he says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals, food for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouth of liars will be silenced. Threats? No. They're footnotes in the story. We are forever safe and alive in Christ so how do we pick up and then pack this gift with us this week? And here's the application challenge for us this week. As we prepare to exit quarantine and, and begin to move into life post uh, th this quarantine, how do we not miss the gift that God desires to give us? And here it is. We pack this gift as we pray this psalm daily. May I encourage you in your daily chair time to pray through this psalm. And then throughout the day, here's the three parts that we pray. We, we look up and we say, God, you are my God. I thirst for you. I thirst for you. I thirst for you. And then the second part is, I'm satisfied in you. And then the third part, I'm safe with you. And so we just groove this prayer. Lord, I'm thirsting for you. I'm satisfied in you. And I'm safe with you. And I don't want to go back. When we get through this quarantine and where life starts to pick up again and, and we're back into that groove, I don't want to go back. God, I don't want to lose this thirst for you. I want you to be my thirst and I, I, I don't want to chase other things for my satisfaction and I don't want to look to other things for my security. I want to take this gift and carry it with me. You know, it's only natural when we, we go through a desert time to want to get through that that quickly. And I found even as we do life as church, I, I just long to be with, with you and with our, I know you're longing for that and I miss you so much and to be together as a church family. But I keep hearing God whisper to me, John, be patient. I'm at work in this world and I'm at work in my church. Trust me in this. Follow me. And it's bringing to mind a moment that happened in the fall where I stepped outside to, I had my little red uh, leaf blower and I was going to go to work. It's got 320 PSI and I was going to unload those PSI on these leaves that were littering my backyard and, and do what I do out there. 
But as I stepped outside with this red leaf blower, I was blown away. It's like, wow. There was like 40, 50 mile an hour wind gusts coming through the neighborhood. I look back and there's this wind gust comes and takes a whole yard full of leaves and blows them into the woods doing it in an instant what would take me two hours to do with my leaf blower. I looked up, and there were like, uh, it was leaves that were coming from, I couldn't see where, going to like towards Avon on this jet stream. They weren't going down. They were going this way. And I just stood there with my little red leaf blower, filling my appropriate size in God's universe, realizing I've got 320 PSI. He's aiming the jet stream, and, and I thought, you know what, God, if you're raking today, I think I'll go back inside because <laughs> you're doing a work way bigger than what I could do. And I believe God is at work in our world and in our church in a mighty way. The winds of heaven have picked up. He has called us to worship as families for the past seven weeks, and today may be that last time that we actually gather and observe one of the most sacred moments we observe, communion, together in the intimacy of our, our living rooms and our kitchen tables. And I would like to just encourage you, as you come to this time of communion, to know that the one who loves you, the one who died for you, the one who is sustaining you in these moments, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is with you in your living room and at your table. He promised his presence. And he desires to give you what only he can give you. And I would invite you as you take this bread that represents his body and this cup that represents his blood to worship him with all of your heart, but not to rush through this time, but to linger in his presence, to praise him, to thank him, I'd encourage you to re-surrender your life to him. And then as a family, if there's anything that, that has come between you, that would you would forgive each other. He desires for you to be one. He died that you would be one with God, but one with each other, peace. And then that you would have the peace that he, he, only he can give that passes understanding. Let him bring that to you in these moments. And then I would encourage you as a family not to rush back into worship, but to just go around and share what's the big takeaway that God has impressed upon you through this season of quarantine. And then just pray together. And then come back to worship. And, and we have a song that we're going to sing together that's a treasure. And Wes and team are going to lead us back into his presence. But uh, just lift up his name. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for uh, being a part of the body of Christ. And um, as we worship him, I, I just want to remind you of who, who we worship in these moments. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Fully God. Fully man. One day, you guys, we're going to see him face to face. We'll kneel before him. We'll see the scars that he took for us on the cross. We'll be reminded again 
of the, uh, the love that he has for us as he came to give his life for us so that through faith in him, we might step into eternal life, which is a relationship with him. He's coming for us. He promised that I will be back. He, uh, and when he comes, he comes to redeem his own, those who know him and those who love him. But in the meantime, he promised, I've got you. I'm protecting you. You are safe in my care. His presence is our treasure. His word is our food. His love is our fuel. His coming is our hope. His family, the people around us, those who know him, what a gift we get to share as we follow him together. He is our one thing. He is our everything. Let's worship him now. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.